Welcome to Champion Church the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Often we hope that our lives will be one mountaintop experience after another. We sometimes do that with our faith. But on this Transfiguration Sunday, we receive the good news from Jesus that he is always with us. In front of you, you have a picture of a mountain and a field in front of it. Isn't that beautiful? I have a feeling that's like a plateau area and the mountains that go up, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, But how many of us love to get on top of a mountain? Maybe you don't want to get on the top of that big of a mountain, but you like to climb to the top of a mountain and look out. How many of you have ever done that? Yes. I grew up in Pennsylvania it's what you do. <laughs> in fact, I lived in a valley and I'd go hunting on top of it and there'd be moments whenever you'd be out hunting and things like that. You're walking down a pathway and things and you just, there it is. There's this beautiful scenery. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And let's really be honest, the mountaintop experience is amazing. It's breathtaking. It's positive, it's good. And in the same way, we, in our lives, in our circumstances, we, what we, we have what we call mountaintop experiences, right? The good moments, the triumphs in life, when everything is going in a way that is in your way. Let's really be honest with it, right? Mountaintop experiences are these, you're just, you're just, on cloud nine almost. You're riding high, right? And sometimes we get preoccupied with those experiences, don't we? Man, we just want to feel that good all the time. But praise the Lord, we don't. <laughs> right? If, if we all know, life is not just simply getting on top of the mountain and just coasting the rest of the way. We know that at some point we will, our experiences will take us downward and we will not feel great. We will suffer. We will experience pain. We will doubt. And I think sometimes we, as people who follow God, God who meets his people throughout all of Scripture on mountaintops. We think that if we come and we begin to follow God, mountaintop the rest of the way, let's do it. Yeah! In fact, there are some who proclaim Christ who believe that. In fact, if you listen to some pastors, they really don't believe in valleys. They just say, you know, you're up here the entire time. Everything's great, honky-dory, all you You can't bring me down. But the reality of it is, is what do we do with those valley time periods? What do we do in the valley? What do we do when we are hurting? What do we do when we're in pain? What do we do when we're in suffering? What do we do when we're doubting that God is with us because things are so difficult? I don't know what to do. Is God even there? If you have ever experienced anything like that before, you are in good company. Because the transfiguration happens 
in the midst of Jesus' followers, his disciples, wrestling with what Jesus is telling them the path ahead. In fact, what Jesus says to his disciples, he, well, first of all, he asks them one day, he goes, hey, who do you think I am? Am I just a dude? Am I just a prophet? Am I just, who do you think I am? And Peter, who is the most outspoken of the disciples, who speaks before he thinks, but sometimes his thinking actually worked out, he says, you are the son of God, the son of man. In other words, he's saying that you are the Messiah. You are far bigger than just another prophet or another preacher or another leader. You are the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus said, cool. That's, you know, that's, that's 1990s translation there. Cool. Do kids still say cool? I don't think they do anymore. Yeah. Do they? <sighs> I'm not that old. Okay. All right. <laughs> but then Jesus, immediately after this moment, says, hey, just so you know, though, I, the Son of Man, I, the Son of God, I, the Messiah, now need to go and I will suffer and I will die and I will raise on the third day. And the disciples were like, okay. No, they were like, what? And Peter was so disturbed by this, he goes, you can't do that. And this is when Jesus says, hey, uh, get behind me, Satan. They are wrestling with this path ahead of Jesus, but also the path ahead of themselves because Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I'm going this way. He also says to them, hey, take up your cross and follow me. You will experience pain and suffering on the road that I will show you. And the disciples are, what did I sign up for? What now? It is in this reality that they are struggling. Because how many of us would like to follow somebody or buy into something and say, hey, just so you know, pain and suffering's coming your way. Not many of us like that idea. It is in this context that Jesus takes Peter and James and John up onto a mountain. And he does something unbelievably amazing in front of them. And that is what we read in Matthew chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. It will be up on the screen, as always, for you. But if you want to open to your Bibles, you're more than welcome to. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them to the top of a very high mountain. He was transformed in front of them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Jesus. And Peter reacted to all of this by saying to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you want, I'll make three shrines, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, look, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I am very pleased with him. 
Listen to him. And hearing this, the disciples fell on their faces, filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anybody about the vision until the human one is raised from the dead. This amazing experience to us just sounds amazing. Some of these details, we wonder, why are these details talked about here in the account in the way that it is? You might find it odd. Maybe you find it disturbing. But I want you to know that these disciples who are with Jesus on top of the mountain, whenever Jesus transforms in front of them, they noticed a few things that were peculiar about this moment. You see, the disciples were first century Jews. They knew Scripture as much as their family could teach them. And they would recognize immediately that some of these specific characteristics of this transformation was reminiscent of a time when God showed himself to Israel, when he showed himself to Moses, when he showed himself to Elijah. And that is, there was bright light, and there was lightning, and there were loud noises, and there was a cloud that would go and envelop all of them. But the difference here is that instead of, instead of what they've read before, where it just involved this one person, and they couldn't really see anything, because you see the cloud would come and envelop Moses or Elijah, and they would just hear what's going on from them, of what happened within that cloud. Instead, they, the three of them, are in the presence of Jesus. And what they see is that the lightning and the light comes from Jesus himself. What now? I thought this was God's whole thing of the light and the lightning and the cloud and all these different kinds of things. Why is it coming from Jesus' face? Why is it coming from his garments? Jesus is showing who he is to his disciples. And it's not just him saying, hey, I'm the Messiah. He has his father bear testimony as to who he is. It's not like Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the Messiah. Everybody's like, yeah. Right. All of a sudden, a voice comes and says, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I don't know, I don't know how, how, how God says that, but I sometimes hear, Listen to him. <laughs> if these disciples were doubting Jesus' identity before, how would they doubt his identity after this moment? How in the world would they even think to themselves, oh, Jesus is just baddie? They couldn't. Because the very direct revelation of God that they had heard about for years prior is now embodied 
in Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And so, as the disciples are down and struggling with Jesus' path of suffering and death, in this moment they realize that they are in the presence of God through Jesus, His Son. They don't have to go any further than Jesus Himself to be in the presence of God. Now, does Jesus do this because he's looking to give them a pep talk? Hey, disciples, don't worry. Pain and suffering is not going to be the greatest, but hey, here I am. Trust me. It's all, no, it's, it's not just a pep talk, even though it feels that way. These unique happenings are looking to share with the disciples a very distinct reality. That not only is Jesus, whenever they are in the presence of Jesus, that they are in the presence of God, but the very words that Jesus speaks are the words from God the Father. That's why God the Father says, hey, listen to this, listen to this kid. He's all right. This Jesus kid of mine. Listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. I know he sounds crazy. Like, messiahs, I get it. You think that messiahs come into the world and they change the world through force. They come in on a white horse and they just take care of things. They get stuff done in the way that, the, that you have seen the world get stuff done. But this messiah, this my, this my son... He's going to get things done not through war and not through bringing forth his kingdom through war, but rather by giving of himself a humble sacrifice in love for you and for all. So listen to him. What he says is what I say. And when you are with him, you are with me. M. Eugene Boring says this, without heavenly companions, without heavenly glory, he, Jesus, is the tabernacle. See, before, before all of this, those who believed in God would have to go to a place to experience God. But in this moment... Jesus is showing that he is the tabernacle. He, you don't have, you go to him for the presence of God. And so the disciples descend from the mountain into the mundane world of suffering and mission, accompanied by Jesus, God with us. And if God is with these disciples, and if God with us experiences pain and suffering, these disciples are willing to go into pain and suffering knowing that God is with them.
But let's be honest, that scares us. It's scary to say, hey, you're going to still experience pain and suffering. In fact, to do the right thing, you may suffer more because you did the right thing. Because you lived a life of love. Because you decided to forgive your brother or your sister who you do not think deserves the forgiveness. You might really struggle with the suffering that you encounter as my disciples because the world will look at you and hate you. Because you give grace to people who don't deserve grace. Because you serve those who are not powerful, but you serve those who are the weakest among you. You as my disciples will experience all of this and it's all a part of it. I am with you. I am with you. That's why Jesus says to them, and he goes up to them and he touches them. Do you notice this? That Jesus, after doing this heavenly thing, goes up to them and reminds them, I am still with you. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Trust me. I am with you. We have not had the blessing of being in Jesus' physical presence. We haven't. Unless any of you are 2,000 years old, which if you are, you look pretty darn good. We did not have the ability, the blessing of experiencing Jesus when he was with us. But we do have the words of Jesus that he says after he dies on the cross and after he raises from the grave and as he grave and as he ascends into heaven and you know what he says i am with you to the very end of the age and we understand that jesus is still here today through the sending of his holy spirit upon this world not it, it's not it's not here is all around us. The Spirit is in every place working to draw people to God. And the Holy Spirit is upon those who believe in Jesus and follow Him. And the Holy Spirit enables us as followers to live a life of love in the midst of pain and suffering. So God with us is still true to this day. God is with us. But Jesus' words are still ringing true. Take up your cross and follow me. Live a life of humble love and sacrifice. And in the midst of it, you will experience pain and you will experience suffering. But I am with you. Yeah, you're allowed to say hallelujah, amen to that. God has never left you. He has never forsaken you, friends. 
and your circumstances of pain, of suffering, of doubting, do not define his love for you at all. Hear that loud and clear. There are too many people who believe that God leaves others whenever they're down and they're hurt and they're sick and they're in pain. Jesus said, now there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be hurt. But I am with you. And that pain and that suffering comes. We lean into him. And we live as he has called us to live. We take up our cross and we follow Jesus into a holy life of love. Wilson Ryland says this, as Jesus invites his disciples up to the mountain and as he invites them down into the valley after the fact, we receive this same invitation. Accepting Jesus' invitation to follow him, we must first take in all that follows. Be moved to silence and stillness and then invited and empowered to witness to what has happened without fear or the insertion of our own agendas. Jesus comes to each and every one of us and says, follow me. And the question is, are we going to truly follow him or are we going to try to insert our own ideas about Jesus onto him? Or are we going to trust him? We're going to trust that he is with us no matter what. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're a longtime follower of Christ. And things have just not been good. And you have needed to hear the words, God loves you. He's with you. And yes, it hurts. What that person did to you has forever changed your life. Your health is not where it used to be. And you're not sure if it's even worth living anymore. You are at your wit's end with the world around you. And you just want to give in to how the world does things. Hear the good news. He is with you. And He enables you to live a life of love and truth. Maybe you're a person, though, who doesn't you're not here. You're not at that point of believing in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. You're not at this point of... Because really all you've ever heard is that God is a big punishing bully who hangs up in heaven and He's waiting for us to trip up and zaps us with lightning whenever we are bad. I know that's a caricature, but sometimes we believe that. Sometimes believers believe that. Maybe you've never wanted to, to, to accept Jesus. Maybe because followers of Jesus have just turned you off to him. And maybe those followers were going through pain and suffering in such a way that they didn't rely on God with them. I'm sorry for that. But know this. Jesus came, lived, died, and resurrected and ascended to heaven so that you could have a new life. One that is not defined by who you are or what you've done or all of your accomplishments, 
but rather is defined by a love and a grace. And He frees us from doing the wrong thing. He frees us from that sin and He calls us into new life that doesn't end in death, but ends in resurrection. That is good news. Would you be willing to follow Him? And if you think to yourself, I don't know, the the pain and suffering sounds terrible. Let me ask you this. Do you think following Jesus or not following Jesus will give you a life free from pain and death? Pain and suffering? No. Every one of us experience pain and suffering whether we believe in Christ or not. The difference in a life with Christ is that instead of going to the destructive places where we turn to things that hurt ourselves or we turn to ways that hurt our neighbor or we turn to ways that is not love, we turn to Christ. And He within us enables us to do the right thing. We don't rely on chemicals and we don't rely on getting even and we don't rely on lying or or getting our way and killing others to get our way we don't rely upon our own desires we rely upon christ who has given us new life that is the life god wants for us one that is truly dependent upon him So the question is, my friends, the question is, are we listening to Him? Are we listening to Him? Are we looking for a mountaintop view on life, or do we see that God is with us in all places, even in the valleys filled with pain and suffering? Because He's with you. Go back to that picture of that mountain. If your first thing, first thought that comes to your mind is, man, how do I get up there? How do I get up there so I can experience this amazing View this amazing feeling, breathtaking, wonderful triumph, triumphal accomplishment. If that's your first thought, you have missed something beautiful that is right there in the valley below. Now listen to this. You ready for this, friends? God designs mountains in a way that he begins to show where he is. If you know a lot about mountains, you know that mountains affect weather patterns. And most of the time, when there is a mountain range, often the valleys around it do not receive the amount of precipitation that the mountain does. And so up top is this wonderful snow cap on top of the mountains. And below, often, there are, it's, it can be a desert area. It can be. But in some areas around these mountains, and especially if you go to California, you'll know this. You know that Los Angeles is completely dependent upon the snow that is on top of the mountains. 
Because it don't rain in Los Angeles maybe about 10 days a year. Some of you are tempted to move there right now. There's a lot more traffic there. Don't go there. So this mountain, it almost seems unfair. The mountain gets all of the snow. It gets all the moisture. How does the ecosystem below it even survive? Well, that snow, when it gets to a certain temperature, melts into water. And that water goes down the mountain into the valley below and creates streams like these. And these streams are the very force of life for an entire ecosystem, for every plant, for every animal that lives around that mountain. You see, friends, God isn't just in the snow up on the mountain. God is in the water that gives life down in the valley. God isn't just up here, friends. He's not just on mountaintops. He is in the most difficult valley of dry bones where there is only death. And all we see is sand. But God is there still. God is there still. And if you have been dismayed, if you have been sold that a Christian life, a life that follows Christ, is just mountaintop from here on till kingdom come, I'm here to tell you I'm sorry. Jesus never said that. Jesus says, I am with you in the midst of evil in the world. I am with you in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering. And guess what? You can live the life I have for you because I am with you. He gives us enough water to make it through the day when we don't see anything but our pain and our suffering. So friends, wherever you are in life, do you, are you listening to Jesus who says, do not fear. I am with you. I am with you. In the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. In the moments that you are anxious, in the moments that you doubt, in the moments that you don't see any way forward, the good news is he is still with you. And he loves you. And he's going to get you through it. Amen. He's going to get you through it. The transfiguration. Is not just a pep talk. It's a promise. It's a promise that the God who created this world, who has sustained it and who has saved it. is still with this world. He is still working in the world. And he is around us on the top of mountains and in the streams below. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 10.30 a.m. 
We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.